Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Before we hear the message, I'd like to invite a brother to come and share the reality of God's promise and blessing when a person really commits his life to do what God say and to serve God in the local church. And that brother is very dear to me and Pastor Da, very faithful man, and very blessed man. His name is Mark Marin. Mark? Mark just graduated from Seattle University. Thank you, Pastor Lau. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Well, before I start, I just want to ask you all a quick question. Have you ever had like a goal in life that you've been working towards to for a, such a long time? Not just that, you've, you've prayed about it, you've asked your church to pray about it, you've had your senior pastor pray about it, but that at the end of the day, nothing happens? Raise your hand if this has happened to you. <laughs> yeah, it definitely happened to me in 2008 when I graduated, unfortunately. But what happened was... So my last year at college, I was really blessed to be able to work with a medical equipment manufacturer, a very prestigious one as well. Um, I graduated with an electrical engineering degree, so this was like a big thing for me. It wasn't just that I got to work with them, but I was also the team leader for my group. And we did very, very well that year, and out of the five people in my group, I was the one selected to have an interview with them. So I was saying, yes, Lord, this is what I've always wanted. I've always wanted to be in medical electronics. This is it. This this is my chance. It's going to be good from now on. So I go to the interview, and I completely bomb it. And I'm just like, what happened? I thought this was what God had in store for me. So I, I, I had lots of people praying for me, and they got back to me and said, sorry, you're not the one we're looking for, but... So I just wouldn't give up. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll apply for a software engineering position. So I did. Got through the interview as well. Still didn't get the job. And then I was mad. I was like, Lord, why did you give me this senior project that was working with this company but not give me this job? Like, Why did you single me out, out, out of the whole group and not give me this job? I was just so mad. I was blaming God. I was just unhappy. I was just like, everyone prayed for me. I prayed. Why didn't this happen? So for the next couple months, I started looking for jobs, and I still had my heart set on the medical electronics industry. So I applied to a different company and settled on an internship, um, feeling that at the end of my internship, I would get a full-time job. So weeks passed, months passed, and there was still no word of a full-time job, but I just kept Holding on, that, holding on to that promise. And eventually, I was at a career fair at UW, and I landed a full-time job there at a fiber optics company, which is where I am now and which, where I have been for the past year and a half. But honestly, for the past year and a half, I've been like, you know, I was born to do medical electronics. <laughs> Why am I in fiber optics? Oh, my gosh. And I was like, I was happy that I got a job. I, I felt blessed. But at the same time, there was that tiny 1% where I was just like, would I have been happier if I was with a medical electronics firm? 
And then it all changed a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we were looking for a new software engineer, a, a, a new software entry-level engineer. And so I was one of the people interviewing these people. And the second interviewee came in, and he happened to be the man who got the job that I really wanted. <laughs> Turns out he was laid off six months after the fact. He was a brand new graduate just like me. His GPA was, it was a 3.9. I was like, wow, he had so much experience, but yet he was laid off. And he told me that this this medical company was laying off anyone. It didn't matter if you were there for 10 years, if you were there for a month, they were cutting projects left and right. And I was sitting there interviewing him, thinking to myself, Lord, if you had given me what I wanted... I would have been out of a job in six months. And on top of that, because I'm an international student, I wouldn't have gotten my work visa, I, and I would have had to leave the country by, by August of, of last year. And I was just sitting there. I was like saying, wow, God, you are so amazing. You really protected me. And there's more. <laughs> and there's more. So... Just to add icing to the cake, the following day, I interviewed another person, and this person worked at my internship, and he knew fellow acquaintances. So I asked him, how is so-and-so doing? How is so-and-so doing? Then he's like, oh, we all got laid off. And I was thinking to myself, if I had stayed there waiting for my internship to become a full-time position, I would have been long gone as well. And I was just thinking that, you know, it's like all these... it's. Everyone's going to agree with me that finding a job after college is a good thing. But then at the same time, it's like if God had given me the jobs that I wanted, it's like he totally knew better. He totally knew better than me. And I was just talking to a few friends here that, you know, sometimes you, you pray for something so hard. It's like, looking, it's like looking at an apple tree, but you're expecting bananas, you know, like you really have to figure out what you're hoping to expect. Like you really need to pray for the right things. And I thought I was praying for the right thing, but I was praying for what I wanted, not what God wanted. So I just want to encourage you all that sometimes you can pray for something so hard and not get it, but because God really does know better. He knew your name before you were born. He knows the number of hair on your head and just really don't doubt him. And I am so thankful that I learned that lesson. Thank you. (laughs) Praise God. It's so encouraging testimony that God's still looking after all of us, and we don't know as much as God knows. So we need to learn how to walk by faith and trust God and rejoice and be happy no matter what happens. Amen. Today, I would like to preach about our church life. I hesitate to preach this on Sunday, but the Lord really convicted me that I need to preach this message on Sunday because it's hard to gather everyone outside Sunday. So we need to preach whether you want to hear or not, but God wants you to hear. Amen? Sometimes we are so spoiled in America. I want to hear the message. I want to hear. But how about we hear the message God wants you to hear? Because God is a boss, not us. We need to change a little bit of mentality. God is the boss. We are not the boss. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your love and your mercy. We ask your Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see and our heart to understand. May the light of God shine in to our life to bring revelation and understanding, so that we will be able to walk uprightly. We will be able to please you. We live on earth here to please you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I believe with all my heart, as I was born again 20-something years ago out of Buddhism, and I began to go to church, study the Bible, and have experiences with God. I have faith that church life is really directly related and impacting your personal life, your family life, your work life, your study life, everything. I believe that Jesus did not put the church on earth just to have people gather together to put money in the bag and give to God. No, he has the purpose in the church. That and the church is the only institution in the world that will last for eternity. Other institutions will be gone one day. Work institution, Microsoft will not stay forever. One day Jesus will come to rule and reign. My medical practice will be gone one day because we don't need doctor on that day when Jesus come back. Amen. Governmental institution will be gone. Family institution will be gone in heaven. I will not be past the husband anymore. We will be brother and sister. The only institution that will last for eternity is the church or the kingdom of God. And the church is like a hub that will impact everything about your life. If you are in a strong church, you will be a good employee. You will be a good husband, good parents. Your kids will do well. But if you are not in a good and strong church or you are not a committed member of a local church, your life can be in a mess. And I've seen so many, because as a doctor, I met so many Christian patients that their lives are in a mess. I don't understand at the beginning why we have the same Bible, we have the same God, but why their life is in a mess? Because they lack good training in a good local church, and they are in trouble. So I believe with all my heart that the church is a very important institution. But in order to join the church, we need to understand that why we are here together as a church. Why do we exist on earth here? Why we come to this church every Sunday? Why we go to care group? Why we come together? We need to understand the purpose or the reason why we are here together as a church. Otherwise, it will grow old. And a lot of people come and after a while they see all the old friends, they say, I want to find a new friend somewhere else. They don't understand at all why they are here together as a church. And I hope I can finish the sermon today. Otherwise, I will continue next Sunday. And I want to share with you why we are here together as a church. Definitely, before you join any club, you need to know their purpose. What is their purpose, that club? If you want to join any organization, you need to know the purpose of that organization. Why they are existing in the world today, before you become a member of that organization. The same thing with the church. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, let there be real harmony among you, so there won't be any split in the church. I plead with you to be of one mind, united in thoughts and purpose. 
If we want the church to be strong, if we want our life to be right with God, upright in the eyes of God, we need to live together in unity. One mind, one thought, one purpose. And today I want to talk about the biblical purposes of the local church. I believe that even though this is so basic, you know, for many believers, but I find out that many believers don't have any clue about the basic thing in the kingdom of God at all because they have never been trained or taught or corrected. We need to sometimes come back to the basic. This is basic for me, but maybe some of you are not basic. The purpose of our church is that we believe in a wholehearted commitment to the great commandment and to fulfill the great commission that we will become a great church. Everyone say great commitment. Great commandment. Great commission. And then great church. And if you become a great church, when I say great church in the eyes of God, I don't mean that we need to have nice building. A lot of third world countries don't have nice building like this. They meet in the forest. They meet in the jungle. They don't even have nice building. So in the eyes of God, great church is not about nice building, big fund in the bank account, or nice share. Great church in the eyes of God may be different from man church. Amen? So if you want to have the great church, and that great church will impact your family life, your being husband, being a wife, being parents, being employee, employer. Let's look at the great commandment. Look at Matthew chapter 22, 36 to 40. Matthew 22, 36 to 40. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, the whole Bible, and the prophets, everything in the Old Testament, hang on these two commandments. So the whole Bible conclude into two sentences. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The purpose of having a church is to obey this great new commandment of the Lord. And let's look at the Great Commission. The Great Commission, Matthew 28. Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Before Jesus left the world, he gave two things, great commandments and great commissions. Commandments is a thing that we need to do personally. And great commission is a thing we need to do all together for the kingdom of God. The great commandments, love your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And great commission, go and make disciples. If you are not happy that I fly to another city, another land, and you say, Pastor, why you disappear on Sunday? Why you have to go do the mission work? You don't understand the heart of God. The heart of God is to go and touch the nations. Amen. Go out of your house and witness. Go to the downtown Seattle today and witness to people. We need to go out of the four walls of the church and tell people about Christ. Out of this 
great commandments and great commission, we can conclude about four things, the four purposes that we do in the church. And all these things that we do in the church is to fulfill the great commandments and the great commission. Let's look at the first one. Love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. How do we show love to God? One way to show love to God is to worship the Lord and to obey the Lord. If you want to show love to God, you obey Him and you worship Him. So the number one priority in our life is to worship God, is to live our life to be pleasing to God. Do you know that you were not created to just have a nice house, nice career, beautiful garden, nice carpet, beautiful car, reputation. You weren't, the, the primary purpose of God creating you was not to have those things, but to have relationship with Him. Everyone say, the main reason I live on earth is to have relationship with God. That is your primary goal of life, is that you have a relationship with God, fellowship with God. And one way that you can show that you have fellowship with God is to learn how to worship Him. If you don't know how to worship God on earth here, when you get up to heaven, you will be shocked. You will be out of place because everyone worships God up there, day and night. And we get up there, oh, I don't even know how to sing. I don't know how to worship God. We are having a rehearsal of living in heaven by worshiping God on earth right now. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. If we love God, we will worship Him and we will serve Him. But you notice that when Jesus said that, Jesus said, worship come first and serve second. You know why? A lot of people run around serving God. But after a while, they become drained, discouraged, and things grow old. Because they don't practice the first one. You need to spend time praying, singing, worshiping God. Why we start the worship service with singing and pray? Because first of all, you need to come into relationship with Him, talking to Him, praising Him, declaring His greatness in singing so that you can draw the strength from God, so that you can serve Him when you go out of the church on Sunday and serve Him on Monday through Sunday or through Saturday. You need to draw that presence of God into your life first by worshiping. God enthroned the praises of Israel. Therefore, I don't want all of you to just come to church on Sunday and you miss the whole worship time and just come to listen to the message. Because you don't like to sing. You don't like to worship God. You miss a big part of your Christian life is to worship the Lord. Amen? John chapter 4, the Bible says, The Father seeks the worshippers, true worshipper, and His worshipper must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God is seeking from heaven somebody who loves to worship Him. Whenever I stand here and raise hand to worship God, I never thought that I'm doing ritual ceremony here. I see the Father in heaven sit on the throne and look from heaven and say, Wow, I love it. I love it. You seek me. I seek you too. I want to bless you. This is relationship. We don't just sing song to fill the air with a voice. 
We sing to God. We worship the Lord because we want to make Him know that we love Him so much. Thank God He loved us first. Therefore, we love Him back, and we want to worship Him. Amen. People who love the Lord will love to worship Him, and we can worship Him in different ways. We worship Him by raising our hand, singing, shouting, proclaiming the goodness of God, kneeling down, standing. We can worship God in giving. A while ago, when you gave to God, you worship Him too by your substances, your finances. You worship Him by praying and also serving Him. You worship Him. You come to church to worship the Lord in a corporate meeting. But when we worship the Lord, we need to understand in Psalm chapter 122, verse 1. Psalm 122, verse 1. David said, "I was glad." When they said unto me, "Let us go unto the house of the Lord," David did not say, "I was sad." David did not say, "I was mad." He said, "I was glad." I was glad that they say unto me. So when we come to worship the Lord, our worship service should be full of celebration. Amen. You don't walk into the church and. Make your long face another Sunday. Oh, they sing too long, half an hour. It's interesting. People look at the watch when they worship God for half an hour, but when they watch movie Iron Man for two and a half hours, no one complain. They just sit and watch, and they're happy. But when we worship God for half an hour, people start to get upset. Too long. They are mad, and they are sad. They are not glad. David say, "I am glad when they say unto me, 'Let's go to the house of the Lord and worship.' So when you jump up in the car on Sunday, and when you get in the car, you should be glad. You should smile. You should be happy to go to church to worship the Lord with your brothers and sisters. We should change our culture in the church here. That when you come to worship, just get excited. Get when you when when you some of you may like Disney World." When you get into some ride, you stand there. You stand in the line for, if, especially in summer, you stand in the line for half an hour, forty-five minutes. You just get into the ride for two seconds. That dragon one, like this, and you ah, and the dragon, you know, the the roller coaster. I went up there, so I know what it means. Oh, and everyone laugh and oh, like this, and and then take a picture, tap, and then buy the picture twenty bucks. Because your hand rises up in the dragon, everyone's so happy. But when you come to church, I was glad when they said unto me, no one is happy. We should have a new culture. We should celebrate. We should come and get excited about coming to church. Amen. Don't walk into the church like another Sunday. Everyone say, I am glad. I rejoice. This is not a funeral ceremony. Amen. It's fun to worship the Lord. It's good to worship the Lord. Full of laughter, full of fun. Amen. And you know, if you can do that, you bless yourself. Why you bless yourself? The book of Isaiah 40, verse 31 say, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When you come and wait on the Lord and be glad in the presence of God, what happened? He will renew your strength. How many times you have this experience like me? You feel like, wow, I'm so tired. I'm on call. I was up all night. It's hard to go to church on Sunday. I feel sleepy. I feel tired. But after you finish worshiping and listening to the sermon, you walk out of the church. Oh, whoo! I feel ten years younger now. My patient always say, "I can't believe that you are fifty something." Especially when I put a hat on and uh, OR gown, the the operating room gown, they think that I'm twenty. Because I look young. Because I learned this secret. I learned to worship God. I learned to draw the strength, bring the youth into your life. You look young. You look happy. You draw the strength from God. Amen. Before you leave the church, you get excited. You get rejuvenated in the presence of God. We should come to church like that every Sunday. Come and worship the Lord. Amen. I have to admit to you. I'm very concerned the most. Let me talk directly. If you are in the worship team up here, singing, playing, uh, while you're up here, you do the singing and playing the musical instrument. But out there, when you are not on the roster to worship, and you come to church late, and when people worship and you just sit there, you should not be on the worship team because you lead people to worship. You should worship while you are not playing. Amen. It's not about being on the stage. It's not being about showing off up here. It's about being worshippers. We need to worship the Lord, no matter what, whether we sing or we we are on the microphone or not, or we are at the musical instrument or not. We need to worship the Lord as a lifestyle. Amen. And God gonna rejuvenate you. The service should be that way. Let's have the service in New Hope International Church. A service full of excitement. Glad, happy, excitement. Come on time, before time. Everyone walk into the church, get exciting. Because you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He comes first in your life. I'm teaching basic here. Very basic. I learned this since I was a new believer. But we need to be reminded. Amen. Why we come to church like this? We love God because the Bible says Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 13, the Bible says that He prepared all of us for the work of service. So when you come to church, you not only learn how to worship God because you love Him so much, you want to serve Him, you learn how to serve God in the church. Like a while ago, I was so, so um, impressed with Mark who gave testimony. Because he's trained in the care group how to talk in public. So he can talk very well in front of public. He is trained in the church to be able to give public speaking, to get away from fear and lack of self-confidence. The church is a place for training people to go out into the society. Ephesians 4 says, The pastor, the prophet, apostle, train you for the work of service. And as I say, it will impact your life outside. One of the reasons I am very successful in being a medical doctor as a neurosurgeon, because I was trained in the church how to relate to people, 
how to be patient when people get upset in the church, how to deal with the situation when people are unhappy. I was trained that way for years and years in the church. So when I meet my patient, and sometimes my patient are unhappy, they yell at me. I have bedside manner. I learned from the church how to handle unhappy customers, unhappy members. So I learned how to control myself, how to say, how to listen to the voice of God. When, I, when I'm preaching, I'm listening to the voice of God. So when I was talking to my patient, I was listening to the voice of God too at the same time. I, I, I train on the pulpit here. So when I practice medicine, I do the same thing. This is a place of training to go out into the world to impact people's life. Amen? That's why the patient loved me, because I have a Christian bedside manner. When I walk in, I smile, happy, how are you? Because I'm a happy man. So when they get upset and come around me, I'm, they're happy too. I spill the joy of the Lord upon my patient. And they like me. I always smile and happy and laugh. When they say, I heard, oh really? Oh, I can help you. Ha 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 ha. And they feel, oh good. Wow, well, well, he has confidence. Let's him cut on me. You see, it, it impacts your life. Impact your marriage. It impacts everything. Because you get trained in the local church how to be a godly, mature man and woman of God. Amen? So that's the first reason we exist together. We come together is to show love to the Lord in worshiping, celebration, and to really come into the presence of God together. Let's look at the second reason we exist on earth here. The second reason he said, go and make disciples. Everyone say go. Second reason we exist on earth here, to go and share the good news with the lost. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, His intent was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Through the church, we talk about Him. We talk about the incredible things that He has done for us. We boast about Him. We talk about the wonderful person He is. We are here on earth to witness the good things about God. Amen? If you really have good relationship with Jesus, with God, you will become a witness. You will go out and share about how wonderful God is. You will tell people the good news. You're going to go out of your house and tell people. You will reach out to people, tell people. How many of you get saved because somebody tell you the good news? Raise your hand up. How many of you get saved because somebody invites you to go to church or care group or go to dinner and share the good news with you? I'm one of them. Somebody witnessed to me. Somebody invited me to go to dinner and told me about Jesus. We need to do the same thing with other people. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 14, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But who can ask him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? Everybody say, heard. So somebody needs to tell somebody about Jesus. If you don't open your mouth to tell people, they will never understand and know. And who is the mouth of God to speak the gospel, 
to speak the love of God to people, you and me. We need to go and share the gospel. How can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? We must be the one who go out to tell people. Amen. I'm so glad for the technology today. Podcast, MP3, iPod, all this technology. So many people accepted Christ. My goal is to spread our CD throughout Thailand, and they get saved. And so many people get saved through our CD right now. When you go to heaven, somebody may greet you and say, "Oh, thank you for giving Thai to New Hope International Church." I got saved in the field in that part of Thailand because I listened to the CD that you give us for free. We don't sell CD. We want to preach the gospel to all over the world. Go and preach the gospel. But you can do the same thing. You may not produce CD like me, but you can invite friend to come to church. You can invite friend to come to your house for dinner. Share the gospel with them. Let them know how God works in your life. The incredible thing that God has done for you. Why we need to keep preaching and telling people about God? Because God wants to save everybody. And they cannot be saved without hearing the message first. They need to hear before they can have faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Amen. The Bible says in Second Peter chapter three verse nine, the Lord is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but wants everyone to come to repentance. God loves everyone. We need to come to the point to realize that. Everybody on earth needs Jesus. If they don't have Jesus, if they don't have, they don't repent and have no relationship with Jesus, they will spend eternity in hell. And if we don't tell people and they don't get saved, they're gonna spend eternity in hell. We need to go out and share the gospel. Amen. There are many ways that you can share the gospel. Go on the street to share the gospel that we're going to do this afternoon, or we can share the gospel by inviting some friend to come to church. If you are not a preacher, you invite friend, give them CD, give them Christian books, invite them to go to care group, do anything, whatever you can do, to get them to hear the gospel, to hear the word of God. Amen. God loves people, and we need to reach out to people because He loves them. God even commands us. To reach out is a command. It's not an option, a request. It's a command. Look at Luke chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus say, "Go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come in, so that my house will be full." Jesus command, "Go out and invite people to fill my house." This command is not for only the evangelist or pastor or preacher like me. This command is for every Christian. We need to go out and invite people to come. Amen. Hallelujah. It's our responsibility to tell people the gospel. Acts chapter one, the Bible says, "You shall receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. You shall receive power." So that you will have a party and have fun in the church, is that right? So that you will have a nice job, nice family, 
get married? No. He said, "You receive the power so that you can be my witnesses." We need to be Jesus' witnesses. Go and tell people. Yesterday, I met a Japanese student in Mary Jo's and Neil's house. They come to eat barbecue. Right away, I walk to her. I have to sit down and get to know her for a few minutes. Do you know Jesus? She said, "No." I began to witness to her for half an hour. She didn't accept Christ. It's okay. It's her own decision. But at least I do my job to tell her about Jesus. Amen. One day she may be saved. Three years from now in Japan, in Tokyo, or somewhere. But at least I do my part. I tell her about Jesus, and it's up to her. I need to do my part. I actually, I asked her, "You want Jesus now?" And she said, "No, that's okay. I did my part already to share the gospel." You need to look for every opportunity to tell people about Jesus. Amen. Share the gospel with people, with wisdom. Hallelujah. So number one, worship God. We love God with all our heart. Two, we go and preach the gospel. Colossians chapter two, verse nineteen. Under Christ's control, the whole body is nourished and it grows as as God wants it to grow. Jesus said in Matthew sixteen eighteen, "I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it." So God wants His church to grow. Amen. God wants His church to grow, not by stealing member from another church. He wants us to grow by witnessing to the non-believers and get them saved and join the church. He wants people to get saved to come in and join the church so that they will grow more to become strong Christian. Therefore, we need to go out and tell people. Five friends that don't know Jesus, invite them for dinner. Invite them to come to care group. The care group at my house, we have two care groups on Thursday morning. We have care group with ladies, and in the evening we have another care group. Every two months we have. Thursday for dinner, 7 p.m. So that we can invite friend to come for dinner. We're going to invite somebody to come to dinner so that we can show love and we can witness to them in a non-threatening way. We need to set a time so that we can tell people about God. Amen. Or when you have a chance, you need to tell people about God. If you don't know how to, give them CD. Listen, give them book. Share the gospel, because God loves everybody. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. God and God wants to use us to share that gospel with him, with with people. You may say, you know, Pastor, I don't think God is interested in numbers. We don't need to grow the church. We don't need to have more people to come in. When we talk about numbers, a lot of people misunderstand that. Oh, you know, you want to be famous. The church is big. No, each number. Means each soul. Each soul is going to heaven. You may say, "I'm not interested in number." Let me ask you this question: Do you check your bank account? When you get the paycheck, do you look at the paycheck? How much? Or you don't care? You just get the paycheck and put and don't look at the number. Or when you apply for the job, do you ask for how much you're g o i n g to get paid? The number? Yes. You look for number, but why in the kingdom of God, we don't care about numbers. We don't care how many people will go to heaven with us. 
That's why yesterday I asked number to the pastor in Trat. How many people get saved in jail? He said 14. Praise God, 14 people go to heaven with us. I ask for numbers, not that I want to use that number to insulate my ego about, oh, you are so successful. No, it's not about successful. It's about bringing soul to the kingdom of God. And there's one book in the Bible called the book of numbers. In that book, God get everyone be numbered because he cares about numbers. How many people love fishing? Raise your hand up. When you go out and fish, you're going to say, I want only one fish, the most beautiful and the biggest fish, one is enough. Do you think that way? I don't think so. When you go out fishing, you want the most number in the legal limit. Not only the most number, you want the most beautiful and the biggest fish. But why in the kingdom of God as Christian, we don't care about how many people are going to be saved and go to heaven? Why we only care about our bank account number, the fish number that we fish, fly fish. We care about other things, but not the kingdom of God. Yesterday I woke up and I count how many churches we plan now. I think 16 that we help planting churches. I count the number. And I was talking to God, in a few years it's going to be 200. In a few years it's going to be thousands. I care about numbers. I want to see more people impacted by New Hope International Church. When we go to heaven, millions of people are going to come and thank all of you because we impact millions of people to go to heaven with us. Amen? Everyone say numbers. numbers. Hallelujah. You may say, Pastor, we don't want to bring too many people to church. We want to stay small because if we become a bigger church, we will not be personal anymore. We will become impersonal. How many people think that way sometimes? No, no, stay small. Don't be too big. You don't have to worry about that. There is a power of we call corporate worship time. When I go to Thailand, I worship with thousand people and I tell you, when big group of people come to worship together, it's awesome. It's wonderful to have a lot of people worship together. But we don't stop there. Because if you come to a bigger church, a big congregation, no one knows your name, no one cares about you. If you get into trouble, no one helps you. We have a way to resolve that problem. We grow bigger and bigger on Sunday. At the same time, we grow bigger and bigger with the amounts of care groups or fellowship groups at homes. We want to make sure that every member of the church is taken care of by joining into small groups. And in those small groups, your name will be known. When you get into tragedy, people will know. They will cook for you. They will visit you. They will take care of you. We want people in the church to join into the small group. Because otherwise, something happened to you, no one knows. Because in the small group, we can talk and help you. We care. We want everyone in the church to be taken care of. We want everyone in the church to have a job, to have good families. So yes, we come worship together on Sunday. A lot of people come, but at the same time, we want to make sure you are taken care of. Everybody, we want to know your name, and we want to help you to grow, and we want to help you to be successful in life. 
So don't worry about numbers. We can keep growing, and we can go and start another church in another part of the town if the room is not ready. Like that's why we send a group of people up north to start another church. We have an afternoon service. Eventually, I pray that we have a Spanish-speaking service. One day we will have a campus student service in Seattle, close to Seattle U. Amen. Actually, I want to go to be pastor of that church. Can I? I can give this church to somebody and I go to Seattle U. I like to work with young people because I'm still young. Amen. Then we can grow in the campuses, many campuses, and we still have small groups that people know each other. Amen. I will stop here and continue next time. Today we learn about great commandments and great commission. And out of these two things, we come together to worship the Lord. Everyone say worshiping the Lord. Everyone say celebration. Everyone say rejuvenation. Regain the strength. Everyone say serving the Lord. I'm trained to serve the Lord. Everyone say go. Preach the gospel. Tell people about Jesus. Grow the church. Fill every chair. Populate heaven. More souls. You know, go to heaven with me. Amen. We continue next time two more purposes of the local church. That's why we are here together. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come together to worship you. We are here to be strengthened, to be charged, to be filled so that we can go out on Monday to Sunday to witness, to tell people about Jesus Christ with boldness, with love, with compassion, with purity and holiness of life, Father. We love you so much and we want to make sure that we obey the great commandments and we want to fulfill the great commission, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.NewHopeInternationalChurch.com. To them all gathered in your name, I lift to you this new praise song. All the wrongs I have ever done have been washed away by your only son. Bring me your tired, you said.
Your glory. 